The title of this sermon is Because You Say So. And this sermon is dedicated to Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon. She was the professor of Christian social ethics at Union Presbyterian Seminary from 2001 to 2018. Dr. Cannon was the foundational voice in womanist theology. She created a new branch of theology that pushed to broaden the definitions and frames of reference underlying religious and ethical thought to include the moral wisdom in the everyday lives of black women. She was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia on June 8, 2018, and died August 8, 2018. She was 68. She was my advisor for my DMEN dissertation, a co-worker, and still is my mentor and dear friend. One way to remember those we love is to tell their story. And this is just one of them. Let us pray. Now, Lord, soften our hearts to receive the word you have for us today. Sharpen our minds to understand how your word applies to our lives. Shape our will to respond to your instruction in word and deed. Amen. Amen. I love the Gospels, stories of Jesus, because they are action-packed, filled with dialogue, scenery, and characters. I used to read them like watching a TV show or a movie as an observer. Then I was introduced to a different way of reading scripture developed by Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Society of Jesus, the Catholic order of a priest commonly known as the Jesuits. In his method, he invites you to put yourself in the scene and pay attention to where you put yourself, what you hear, what you see, what you feel, what you think, what you say. This method of reading opens up an alternative way of meditating on scripture. This evening, I invite you to be part of this story as I read. You can be anywhere in the scene. You can be one of the main characters, one of the crowd. You can be in the boat cleaning your net or watching the entire scene from a distance. You can be the water or the net or the boat or the fish or the sky or the clouds or the sun. Any place you want to be in this story is okay. Just let it speak to you. I'm going to read half of it and then later on I'll read the other half. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus is standing by the water. The crowd is pressing toward him, trying to hear every word he says. He's already ankle deep in the water when he sees two boats left by the fishermen who are washing their nets. He gets in the boat belonging to Simon and asks him 
to put out a little from shore, which he does. Simon has a privileged seat as Jesus teaches from the boat. When he finished, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let your nuts down for a catch. Simon was tired and probably wanted to go home and go to bed. And here's Jesus telling him to go out into deep water and let down his net for a catch. Really, Jesus? Really? You want me to do that? Have you ever been in a situation where someone asked you to do something that you thought you could not do? Did you look behind you to see if they were talking to somebody else? Because they couldn't possibly be talking to you. I think that's the way Simon felt. That was the way I felt on more than one occasion when Dr. Cannon became my advisor. She asked me to do things I did not think I could do. Write my own definitions? What? This is your project, she said. You define it the way you want to. I'll teach you how to write them. Create lesson plans for a six-week graduate class? You gotta be kidding me. I'll show you how to do that. Find at least 20 people to take your class? Read these books? Learn to free write? Use these videos? You have too much material to teach in one class? Cut it in half. You need to turn in your dissertation before Christmas. <laughs> what? I followed every last one of her instructions because she said so. Because I trusted her. Because I believed her. Because I believed she knew that what I was capable of doing even if I didn't. And that is why I think Simon agreed to follow Jesus' directions. He saw him heal his mother-in-law. He shared a meal with him. He certainly saw the impact Jesus' teaching had on the crowd. So when Jesus finished speaking and said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch, Simon, tired and disappointed, answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. More often than not, when you translate the original language, in this, in this case Greek, into another language like English, a lot of the meaning gets lost in the translation. So I decided to do a little word study on say, put out, let down, and deep, and discovered some interesting nuances. When Jesus tells Simon to put out into deep water and let down the nets, Jesus is commanding Simon to do a specific, definite action. It is to be done immediately and only one time. And these instructions are for Simon only, nobody else. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you, Simon, to go out into the deep, let down the nets, not tomorrow, not later this afternoon. I want you to do it now. I don't want you to do anything else but exactly what I'm telling you to do, and I only want you to do it this one time. This was clearly not a suggestion or recommendation for Simon to do it when he felt like it, or to do it differently. Simon was to do exactly what Jesus told him to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus asked Simon to go out into deep water. 
Often the deep is interpreted as chaos, the unknown, spiritual darkness, disorder, danger, unproductive effort or work. Other interpretations are fullness, immensity, a great degree of extreme degree, immeasurable insight, infinite knowledge, and incomprehensible plans. Howard Thurman writes in the prologue of his book, The Luminous Darkness, the experience of one of his students who was a deep sea diver. And he writes, en route to the floor of the ocean, the diver first passes through the belt of fishes. This is a wide band of light reflected from the surface of the sea. From this area, he moves to the depth of water that cannot be penetrated by light above the surface. It is dark, foreboding, and eerie. The diver's immediate reaction is apt to be one of fear and sometimes a sudden spasm of panic that soon passes. As he drops deeper and deeper into the abyss, slowly his eyes begin to pick up the luminous quality of the darkness. What was once fear is relaxed, and he moves into the lower regions with confidence and a peculiar vision. Jesus is saying to Simon, I want you to go deep so I can show you in a tangible way my fullness, my immeasurable insight, my infinite resources, and my incomprehensible plans. I found two words used for say. When Jesus says to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets, the word is open. When Simon says to Jesus, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, the word is open again. But when Simon responds to Jesus' command, because you say so, it's a different word. It is ramati, from the root word rhema. Rhema used in the New Testament to describe dynamic living words. Simon sensed that these particular words put out into the deep and let down your net had a different quality to them. Simon recognized that Jesus was speaking life-giving words that had been authority, preciseness, and clarity that resonated in his spirit. And that is what Simon was responding to when he said, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you speak the living word, I will let down the nets. Jesus' commands to put out and let down were specifically addressed to Simon and no one else. They were to be done exactly as stated, and it was to be done immediately, and the nets were to be let down only once. Simon followed the command because he recognized these were anointed words. These were life-giving words, and they instilled a faith and a trust in him. Jesus wasn't asking Simon to do anything he didn't already know how to do. Simon was a fisherman. Simon already knew how to handle a boat. He knew how to cast a net. Jesus didn't tell him to go plant some seeds and wait for a harvest because he didn't get any fish. He didn't tell him to start raising sheep either. Jesus told him to put out into deep water and let down your net. 
Sometimes life-giving words are calling you to do more, more of what you already know how to do. Sometimes it's staying in the same place, occupation, job, church, class, but going deeper, trying something new and challenging. It is like learning to swim at the shallow end of the pool where your feet can touch the bottom and then being coached to swim the entire length of the pool. Or like learning to ride a bicycle with someone holding the bike in the back for balance and then letting go when they know you can do it. When Alice Walker agreed to be the keynote speaker for the Center for Womanist Leadership inaugural gathering in April of 2018, we were so excited. As we got close to the date, we needed someone to meet her at, the Dulles, at Dulles Airport, someone to host her during the day before the evening event, and someone to travel back to Dulles with her the next day. Dr. Cannon could see into the depths of who you were and identify gifts, skills, and potential and know how to provide opportunities for them to be used in a life-giving way. The three people she picked were the perfect ones to do it. They had the temperament, they had the personality, and they had the gifts of hospitality and service. And when she told us who they were, we were saying, yeah, that's right. All three of the ones that were picked could not believe that they had been asked to host the Alice Walker for that weekend. But for eight years, I watched Dr. Cannon discern and affirm her students and anyone who was in her company, speaking life-giving words into them and offering them opportunities to use their gifts, not for her benefit, but for theirs. Can't you tell when someone is speaking life-giving words to you? Can't you tell sincere words from words that are just used to flatter your ego? When people truly speak life-giving words to you, they are asking you to do something for your benefit and not theirs. But there's more to the story, so put yourself back in the scene as I read the second half of the passage. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. The disciples' call was not in a sacred holy place. It was at work and work that was unproductive. In the midst of weariness and pessimism, Jesus showed them something amazing and new, a sign of holy abundance, a surplus of nourishment in the midst of seemingly bare waters, barren waters. In womanist vernaculars, Jesus made a way out of no way. Jesus didn't wait until things were settled and still to call us. 
He finds us wherever we are, doing whatever we're doing, and shows us something new, often with the very materials of our everyday lives and work. Jesus uses the details of our particular time and place to catch our attention and give us a new challenge. Initially, Simon didn't think he was worthy of the blessing, but Jesus saw more in Simon than he could see in himself or his partners. I imagine Jesus saying, Simon, James, and John, I know what you guys can do. I know what you're capable of. I just needed to show you this miracle so you could trust me more and know that I have your interest at heart. We think we can't do any more, but we can. If we listen and follow directions from those we trust. Who in your life asked you to do more than you thought you could do? Who in your life saw, your, saw something in you? Saw a gift, a talent, a potential, saw possibilities? Was it the librarian who gave you a book she thought they thought you would like? Or a teacher that signed you up for a special program? Was it a coach who pushed you during practice? Was it your hairdresser or barber who listened to you when you were talking about your interests and dreams and wishes? Was it the sponsor of your 12-step program? Was it a family member, coworker, best friend, significant other, child, or group of children and friends? We need to tell our story because it reminds us of who we are and it encourages us uh, those who hear it. Because we have what it takes. We have abilities and capabilities and genius and endowments. We have experience and skills and natural abilities. The things we already were born with or are interested in. Jesus will use them for a bigger work. You don't even, you can't even imagine that is not on your radar. But we have to put out into the deep when the old ways aren't working anymore. We have to put out into the deep even when we think we don't deserve it. We have to put out into the deep even when we see the value in what we're doing isn't manifesting. We have to put out in the deep when Jesus puts people like Katie Cannon in our lives to walk with us. We have to listen, follow directions, and put out into the deep because he says so. Amen.